Well, I'm glad you're here with us this morning. I'm pretty excited about today. Today, we're in the third week of our four-week series. Remember what the series is called? My Story. If you missed the last couple of weeks, I want to catch you up. All of us have stories to tell and the key thought for this message series. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to take notes. But if you're taking notes is that we have decisions that we will make. And the decisions we make today will tell the stories that we tell tomorrow. Let's all say it together. The decisions. Oh, wait. Let's see if we have it. The decisions you make today determine the stories we'll tell tomorrow. Say it one more time. It's so true. The decisions you make today determine the stories you'll tell tomorrow. See, the reality is in five years or so, you'll be looking back and you're going to tell the story about this season of your life. And the good news is a lot of us, we're going to tell stories that we're proud of, right? Hey, a few years ago, this is what happened. This is what I did. The bad news is some of us will look back at this season we won't be so proud of our story. The decisions we make today determine the stories we'll tell tomorrow. The reality is, for many of us during this season of life, we're going to run up against an obstacle or a challenge. And maybe it's a job, right, that you don't like or you don't think you can even endure another day. I've had that job before. Or maybe it's a relationship that's turned south and you think, hey, maybe it's not even worth staying in that relationship. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's a vision, something that you're trying to accomplish and you think this is never going to happen And you're going to make a decision. Do I stay the course or do I walk away? And beyond a shadow of a doubt, we need to acknowledge that there are times to walk away. You bet there are times to walk away. There are times in our lives where we need to let a chapter end and start a new chapter. But a very important thought if you're taking notes is this. Sometimes the best decision you can make is to stay when it would be easier to go. Sometimes the best decision we can make is to stay when it would be easier to go, easier to walk away. I'll give you an example. I started pastoring 10 years ago. I was a pastor in Spokane, and I was in Spokane for six years. And just in many ways, it was a miracle that I stayed as long as I did. It was a challenge. There were several times when I wanted to quit. I would tell Mary, my wife, that... I would just that I wanted to work at a mom and pa pizza joint where I could just sell pizzas and everyone would know my name. Right. And I'd be working for Tony or, you know, whatever. For some reason they were Italian and I'm German, but whatever. We make it work. But I remember I'd say, I just want to make pizzas. I just want to make pizzas. And Mary would say, no, you don't. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I do. I just want to quit. And she'd always tell me, she'd go, no, you aren't quitting. Just flat out, you aren't quitting. She knew my job was hard, but she also knew that I was called to be a minister. But, I, you know, I knew my job was hard. I also knew that the average worship pastor only lasted three years. And I was feeling like three years was two years too many. And so I was I was just struggling. But she stuck to her guns and she spoke God's truth into my life. And I stuck it out. I didn't quit. I didn't go work for a pizza joint or work for the CIA or a pharmaceutical lab. All those things that I thought I would do. I stayed And because of that, when it was time for me to move on from Life Center North, there wasn't even a second, a second that I thought about working at some pizza joint because I knew that I was supposed to be a pastor. Now, I still eat a lot of pizza. I love pizza. But I knew that I was called to be a minister. So I began immediately to look for my next church home. I was so tempted to walk away. Have you ever been there? Just so tempted to walk away. And I'm, I'm very thankful for the godly, wise counsel of my wife. Because I didn't. I decided to stay in ministry when it would have been easier to walk away. I can promise you that all of us at some point in your life, all of us, 
we're all going to have these decisions, these opportunities, whether we're going to stay or whether we're going to go. The big question we're trying to answer in this series is this, is how do we live a story worth telling? How do we live our lives today that would be worth telling a story about tomorrow? It's the story that God wants us to tell. And the answer we've been going through the last couple of weeks is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. The writer of Hebrews, he says, let us fix our eyes on where? On Jesus. Say it with me. Who is the author and perfecter of our faith? Not fix our eyes on the situation, not fix our eyes on the different options, which, by the way, is what I do all the time. Right. Just start fixing my eyes on the different options. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. No. Fix our eyes. Fix our thoughts. Fix our minds on who? On Jesus, on Jesus, on Jesus, on Jesus. So how do we live a story worth telling? We fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our thoughts on Jesus. We fix our hearts on Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the one who actually helps us live the story that we want to tell. In this series, we're making four decisions. Anyone remember the first decision we made? To start, right? We're starting disciplines. One thing. I didn't ask you to start a thousand things. I just want you to start one thing that will help you tell the story that God wants you to tell. Second week, what did we talk about? Stop. Stop Stop anything. Just one thing. I didn't say a thousand things. I said one thing that would hinder you from living the story that God wants you to tell. Week three, today, we're going to decide to stay instead of to go. And next week, it's going to be awesome. We're going to decide to go when it would be easier to stay. Because every single one of you, to live out your full potential, there's going to be a time when you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. Amen, Rachel? (laughs) Amen. In fact, this is the cool thing. Ghana is going to be... Next Sunday, uh, Rachel and Emily are going to give the message, and I just cannot wait for it. And talk about out of her comfort zone. She's like, you want me to do what? And I was like, yes, I do. And she said, okay, because I'm a follower of Christ. And I say yes to him. And well, they didn't do anything like that. But um, it's really cool. So that's going to be next week. Today, though, I want to talk about... Um, To stay, to stay rather than walk away. And again, the reality for a lot of you right now, you are facing something in your life that you're going to have to make that decision. Do I stay the course or do I walk away? Four decisions. I I just want to say that for a lot of you, this one out of the four that I just mentioned that we just talked about, this is going to be the most difficult one. And you know that. When you think about your life or the patterns in your life, the habits in your life, the different things that you've done in your life, and you look back at, you know, just what you've done. A lot of you, it's been hard to stay. You're, you're easy, easily convinced and easily swayed to bail. And, and so for some of you, you're just going to have to listen and say, okay, God, maybe you're telling me something different. You know, maybe today I need to break that pattern. Maybe today, instead of leaving or, or walking away, I need to stay. Some of you, maybe you're like, you know what? I don't have anything like that right now, Pastor Dan. I, I'm doing pretty good. And, and you know, I, I don't have any of those big decisions. Well, you will <laughs> just live long enough, right? Whether it's tomorrow or in a week or a month or a year. At some point, you're going to have to have that decision. Because what's going to happen? You're going to hit that obstacle, right? A challenge in your life. You're going to hit that. And it's kind of like uh, Duncan gave me these puzzles over here. Um, I hate puzzles like these because I can't do them. Um, in fact, I'm just going to Duncan had it really nice. And I want to make it messed up like this. And for me, I could spend forever on this thing and never get it done. But some are you. Can you do this? Actually, 
Oh, is it you? Oh, my God. I make you mad. But have you ever looked at a puzzle, spent a couple hours? When do you get the puzzle? You get it Christmas morning, right? It comes in your stocking. It's kind of fun. You spend a couple hours on it, and then you put it away, and you never play with it again. Often, that's how I am with life. You know, I'll give life, you know, what? Five minutes, ten minutes, whatever the obstacle is, whatever the challenge is. But then I put it on the shelf. I say, it is impossible to do that. No one could do that. In fact, that's, by the way, Jonathan Moore, who raised your hand, said, I can do that. I just want you to know it's impossible. You cannot do that. That is impossible. I have wasted so many hours of my life trying to do that. thing. You can't do it. And don't do it in front of me because I'm just going to be mad. (laughs) But sometimes we hit a season in life that kind of looks something like a puzzle. But I'm just telling you this morning, fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus and ask yourself, what is the story that Jesus wants me to tell in my life? And many of you are going to realize that it's going to be more important for you to stay than it is to go. There's a tremendous example of this in the Old Testament. I love this story. It's Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. Isn't that, it's a beautiful story. You can read it in the book of Ruth. Naomi, she's the mother-in-law, right? And she had these two daughter-in-laws. Roof, Roof, <laughs> Ruth and Orpa, Ruth and Orpa. Now, just a side note, this is kind of funny. Orpa was actually, or, or uh, Oprah was actually supposed to be named Orpa. It's a true story. But when they wrote it on the birth certificate, someone spelled Oprah instead of Orpa, which I think for all the ladies in the house, it's probably good news because who would want to watch the Orpa show? <laughs> but anyways, so the sad news, Naomi's husband dies and then tragically her two sons died. And so we have uh, Naomi, Orpa and Ruth without a husband. And in society during that time, this is not good. This is a tragedy. They couldn't just go to Starbucks, get a job. They, they were almost unemployable. They didn't have a man to take care of them. So this would reduce them. I'm talking like status of beggars a little bit lower than the slaves. And so here's Naomi and um, the mother-in-law, and she's got these two daughters-in-laws. And what does she tell them? She says, hey, go back home, right? Remember that? She's like, go back home. It will be easier there. Maybe God will provide a husband for you. Just go back home. And it was out of love, right? Remember that? It wasn't a negative thing. It was out of love. Just go back home. And Orpah did that. And, And there's no shame in that, right? But that was the easy thing to do. Actually, that was the logical thing to do as well. That, that made sense, the practical thing to do. But what did Ruth do? Do you remember? She stayed. She stayed. She decided to do something very different. She decided to stay when it would have been much, much easier. I just hope we can understand this. Much, much easier for her to go. Naomi, remember, she's like, no. Like, she tried to talk her out of it. This is, no, I, you don't, no, do not stay. Ro, Ruth uh, 1, 15, 16, Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. And when she says, just go back with her. Verse 16, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, finish it with me, I will stay. Even though it would have been easier to go, she says, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. She decides, you know what? We're family. I'm choosing your God, the one true God. I'm committing to him. I'm committing to you. Even though it makes sense to go, I'm going to decide to stay. And that decision, I can't tell you how costly it was for Ruth, because like I said, she became a little lower than a slave. She's a beggar. She would go into the fields, right? Remember that? Go into the fields. And there's this rich guy, Boaz, this incredible guy, owns these fields. And she'd go and she'd pick up the food after the workers, you know, after they had picked the food. And if any was left, she'd go and she'd get it. And if they didn't leave anything for her, then she didn't eat, right? 
And then Boaz, this pretty amazing guy, he hears about her. And for some reason, he has compassion on her. He said, hey, give her some extra food. He talked to the guys. Don't lay a hand on her. Because they knew a woman of that stature, you know, out there, they could take physical advantage of her. And, and this was just kind of the cost of doing business, right? But he said, don't touch her. But just raised the question, why would this rich landowner show compassion on this no-name girl? The answer is because he heard her story. He heard her story. He had heard how she had stayed with Naomi when it would have been easier for her to go. And watch his response. This is uh, verse 11 and 12. Boaz, he basically says, you know, I've heard your story. I've been told about you, what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland to come and live with a people that you did not know before. You stayed with your mother-in-law. And then he says this. He pronounces a blessing. He says, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. So beautiful. He pronounces a blessing. And neither one of them at that point know how amazing and big this blessing would be. Because a series of unusual events, Boaz ends up marrying Ruth. And suddenly this girl who had no future whatsoever by making this faithful decision. Now she is one of two women who have a book of the Bible named after them. That's, that's pretty good company. And if you trace the lineage of Jesus, right, remember, comes from her bloodline. Her total life is changed. Why? Because she decided to stay when it would have been easier to go. I don't want you to miss the power in this. She didn't stay hoping that God would bless her, right? I'll stay hoping, and now where's the blessing? No, she stayed because it was right. That's really important. She didn't just do one thing to get another thing. Like Jesus or God is the spiritual ATM machine. If I do things just right, I'll hit the jackpot. No, she did it because it was right. And God, then what did he do? He blessed her because he had done what, or she had done what was right. All of us at some point in our lives, we're going to come to a crossroad where we're going to have to make this decision. Should I stay the course when it would be easier to walk away? And the big question, again, that we're asking in this series is, I want to ask it again. I want you to think about it. It should be a relatively easy question to answer. And, and that is this question for you to ponder. At the beginning of this school year, the question is this. Just what does God want you to want? What does God want you to want? So just personalize that. What does God want me to want? And you should be able to answer that when you look at your life. What does God want me to want? There's something in your life where maybe it's just not where it could be, right? It's not where it should be. It's... Not where God would want it to be. And what does God want you to want? Maybe it's that he wants you to spend a little more time with your family. Or maybe he wants to develop them spiritually or develop you spiritually. Because you're really not growing as a follower of Jesus. Or for some of you, maybe it's that he wants you to stop pursuing your own dreams. And actually surrender like we were talking about today. Surrender sounds really neat in a melody and in a song. Surrender in life and actual the practicality of surrender is much, much harder. Surrendering. Do you, you realize what that means? It means you have something that you want to do. This is my right. This is my dream. And you surrender it to the Lord. It's hard. Or maybe it's to stop living for things that don't matter. How often I do that. Live for things that have no eternal value. Whatever it is, what does God want you to want? In light of what God wants you to want, here's the application question. In light of what God wants you to want, where does God want you to stay? Where does God want you to stay the course so you can live the story that God wants you to tell? When it would be easier to go, when do you need to stay the course? I want to tell you just a couple of stories from my own life. And then I'm going to toss it to you to see maybe where you're being called to stay, where it would be easier to go. First story... 
I was always a basketball player growing up. Jason, Dre, and I played a lot of basketball. Uh, we met in eighth grade, but even before that, man, I was always playing basketball. But there was another sport that I played. Anyone know the second sport that I played? Tennis. That's right. Played a little baseball, played a little football. Wasn't very good at either one of those. So I played tennis. And during the summer months when I was a junior in junior high, my sister was at Auburn High School and she would be playing the summer volleyball program, which is like every morning, you know, from 7 to 10 a.m. or whatever. And so during that time, my dad would take me over to the tennis courts and we would play. We'd play tennis. Now, I never actually took lessons. I didn't play for a team, didn't play in tournaments, didn't ever be in. I'd never even been in like one official match, like barely knew how to keep score, but we had been playing and practicing and um, my dad convinced me, I don't know how he did, but he convinced me to try out for the tennis team at Auburn Riverside High School. And I cannot tell you how much that intimidated me. Uh, if you've ever had fear just grip your life and anxiety just overwhelm you, that's exactly what happened. Because all these guys, they had taken lessons before. They were a part of summer tennis programs. They had played in matches before. And, and so we get to the courts on the first day of tryouts, and there I am sitting as a 15-year-old kid, and I would not get out of the car. I just wouldn't. Any good thoughts I had about playing tennis went right out the window as I saw 30 other kids out there playing tennis. How could I do this? How could I do this? I was ready to bail. I, I was ready to high tail it out of there. I didn't want anything to do with it. But true story, my dad, if you know my dad, he is a gentle giant, a teddy bear of a man, kind man. He kicked me out of the car. He, he said, I'm not leaving here with you. <laughs> Get out. And so I stayed. I stayed for practice. I, I got to tell you, even after that first practice, I was still intimidated. I still didn't feel like I belonged. I was ready to quit. I was ready to get out of there. But I stayed. I stayed. And then we started playing each other for rankings. If you've ever been on a tennis team, that's how you get your seating is you start playing other people. And day after day, I kept on beating people. I kept on beating people. And I kept on beating people. And my freshman year, I made it on the nine-member varsity squad that year. It was great. How did that happen? But because of my decision to stay as a scrawny little freshman, I made the state tournament as a senior. Making the state tournament, that's crazy. Like, Every I, I wish you knew what was going on. I mean, every kid has those tennis bags that you see on TV, you know, with like the and they got multiple rackets and, you know, you come in and they look like they just came from prep school. I no joke. I came in. I had a hat. I turned it backwards. I flipped up the calf. I didn't have a cover for my racket. I come in in my basketball shoes and I come down. I beat you. But, you know, that's not the great part of the story. The great part of the story is that God used a very incredible man, my father, to plant with me, within me the truth that sometimes it's better to stay than it is to go. Right? Praise God for my father who understood that principle. He reminded me that I'm not a quitter. And with the help of God, that I am a finisher. Jesus, the author and finisher and perfecter of my faith. Some of you need to hear that today because God is going to show you that it's better to stay when you want to go. I'll tell you one more story. I, I've had some relationship with people that are just difficult. Difficult to say the least. Those relationships where you're just kind of always on edge, hoping that you don't say the wrong thing because you might set them off. And these are the relationships where if they decide they didn't want to be in a relationship with me anymore, it wouldn't be the end of the world, right? Have you ever had that relationship before? But again and again in these kinds of relationships... There's been a big part of me that's wanted to end it, to move away from the drama to safer waters. But the Lord would just keep on speaking to me. Stay, stay, work through the conflict, have the awkward conversation, stick it out. 
But the decisions to stay, they weren't easy. I would pray and I would pray and I would pray on my end. Right? I couldn't see any road to healing in the relationship. And if there was, the road seemed much too difficult for me to travel. It's not worth it. But God, in His grace, never let me off the hook. God led me to stay with these men, to continue to pursue a healthy relationship with them. And many of these relationships, it actually had to start with me apologizing to them. Right? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have said this. And then it was followed by an apology on their part. And again and again, I've seen God do a miracle in my relationships with others as I have stayed the course and worked through the mess instead of bailing. Pastor Adam and I, we've butted heads a few times. It would be easier for one of us to give up and leave. But we have always worked things out. Like, always. I mean, we've had, if you've hung out with us at all, we've had some awkward conversations. But we've stuck it out and our relationship has grown deeper for it. Here's the deal. Whether you like it or not, Pastor Adam is probably not going to stay here forever. But if and when he goes, it will not because of because not be because of any relational issue between the two of us. It just won't because we have both decided to live our lives in a way where we would stay when it would be easier to go. Just last night, I had to call him. I had to apologize. I'm sorry, Adam. And he came back at me. He's like, I'm sorry, Dan. See, in the short time on this earth, this is so important. I want you to pay attention to to this. These decisions to not bail on relationships, they have been some of the best decisions I have ever made. Ever. And I'm talking the decisions to press through the pain. The decisions to have the hard conversations, to have the awkwardness. Because it has given me a team around me. A team around me, a relational team, whether they live here or in Spokane or where else, that is unparalleled in their loyalty, in their understanding, and their faithfulness towards me. As a group, we decided to stay when it would be easier to leave. And I'm so thankful for that. Sometimes you're going to come to a place where it doesn't look easy. The roads look too difficult. And I'm here to tell you that sometimes God is going to call you to stay the course when you'd rather go the other way. And I want to ask you, in light of what God wants you to want, where do you need to stay? In light of the story that God wants you to tell, where do you need to stay the course when it seems much easier to walk away? It could be any number of places, right? Some of you, you're in college right now and you're thinking, you know what? I just can't make it through. It's too expensive. It's too time consuming. The hill is too big. I cannot climb that hill. And so you can do what a lot of people do, which, by the way, is fine. This maybe is what you need to do. But you just walk away, right? And you don't finish. Or maybe God is speaking to you. Hey, you're a finisher. And so you keep your head down. Maybe you have to work two jobs. Maybe it's not the four-year plan. Maybe it's the seven-and-a-half-year plan. A couple of us have gone down that road. Semester after semester, you plow away one class here, two classes here, a summer class here. And one day you wake up and you realize that you have a degree that no one will ever be able to take away from you. And your story is it wasn't easy, but now I've got a job I couldn't have had otherwise because I'm not a quitter. I'm a finisher. And I decided to stay when it would have been easier to quit. That might be your story. Some of you, it might be a problem that comes up at church one day. You get your feelings hurt. Have you ever gotten your feelings hurt at church? You bet. Someone does something and you're like, well, forget them and forget that. Christians are all a bunch of hypocrites. Well, hey, let me tell you what. You're right. Church is not perfect. If you ever find a church that is perfect, whatever you do, don't join it. Because when your imperfect self comes, you're going to screw it up. And so you get your feelings hurt. Oh, I'm leaving this church. I'm going to show them, right? Oh, man, I'm going to show. I will walk away. I'm not staying in this stupid church thing. And that can be your story. Join the club. That's a lot of people's story. 
Or you can say, you know what? They hurt me, but I'm going to do for them what Christ did for me. I'm actually going to forgive them. And I'm going to walk through it. And I'm going to stay in there. And years later, oh, it gives me goosebumps. Years later, your story would be, you know what? I got hurt, but I forgave them and they forgave me. And you know what? We're now close. And I'm so glad I stayed in this church because spiritually I'm at a place like I was never before. And now one of the high points of my life is making a difference in this world as a church desperate for Jesus. See, I don't want to go to church. You don't just go to church. We are the church. And my life is different because I decided to stay when it would have been easier to go. I'm talking like a thousand different times. I mean, just it's so easy. You're hanging out with other people every day. You have a reason to leave. But if you decide to stay, what a story could be told. And I want that for every single one of you in here. Some of you, your story is going to be with God. Something's going to happen in your life. And you don't like it. You don't understand it, right? And you're just like, God, if you'd let this happen, when you know you could have stopped it, then forget you. And your story could be that you walked away from God, just like people all over the world have done. God, if you're going to let this happen, I can't believe in you. Or maybe you decide to stay with God, as God will always stay with you because he will never leave you nor forsake you. And so you tell him, God, I don't understand this. God, this doesn't make sense to me. But God, I realize that you're God and I'm not. So I'm choosing to believe in you, God, even when I don't feel your presence. And then time goes on and something happens inside of you. And you start to look back at that thing that you hated. You realize that you didn't know at the time. But God actually used that thing to make me different. What the enemy meant for evil. And I'm telling you, the enemy definitely meant it for evil. There's a real enemy. But our good God uses it for good. And now I know God and his faithfulness in a way that I never would have before. And now I'm living for him, for his glory, in a way I never thought possible. And this is my story because I decided to stay with God when it would have been easier to walk away because I didn't understand. Some of you, it's in your marriage. And let me just spend a couple moments here. And as I do, let me say two things before I talk about your marriage. Because nothing gets you texting and emailing and calling me. Like when I talk about your marriage. Number one, I'm not here to make you feel guilty about the past chapters of your story. Because we can't change the past. I don't speak on marriages to make you feel guilty about your past. I speak on marriage to seek God's wisdom for your future. It's just very important that you understand that. And then number two, if you're being abused, if someone is beating you, I'm not telling you to stay and be a punching bag. I'm telling you to get away, get to a place where you can be safe, where you can be healthy, where you can become healthy and you can work on it in a healthy way. I'm not telling you to stay and let somebody hit you. What I am saying is over and over and over again in our society today, we see one spouse or the other spouse say, you know what? I'm not very happy. And so I think I'm going to cash it in. I'm not very happy. He's not meeting my needs, but the trainer in the gym, he sure compliments me a lot. Or she's boring. My wife's boring. She's dull. But that girl at work, she's kind of spunky. She's kind of fun. And so I'm walking away. He or she didn't make me happy. I mean, we gave it a shot for a while, but it just didn't work out. When your marriage gets to that point, when it is a struggle, and they all get there because of our capability and ability to sin, you need to ask yourself, what story do I want to tell Well, kids, we gave it a shot for a while, but we just weren't happy. 
That can be your story. And that's a lot of people's story. Or your story might go like this. You know, we didn't like each other. In fact, we hated each other. We didn't believe in murder, but we prayed all the time that the other one would just die. I mean, it was hell. It was hell. It was the worst thing ever. But you know what? We made a covenant before God, and so we hung in there. And we got counseling, and we got help, and we made church a priority. We got into a life group, and they spoke into our lives. And it didn't happen overnight. But over a period of time, God started to change us day by day. And now we have a marriage. It's not perfect, but we've gone 27 years because we believe a covenant is something important. And God has given us something that we never thought possible. Some of you are going to say, well, Pastor Danny, you don't understand. That's true. I don't understand. Right? He cheated on me or she cheated on me. And adultery is grounds for divorce. So I can leave. You know what? Absolutely. Yes. And I wouldn't judge you for that. Adultery is grounds for divorce. But you're going to hate hearing this. I, I walked this through with a young couple several years ago. It's also grounds for forgiveness. And I've seen that happen a lot. <laughs> it's grounds for forgiveness. And some of you may need to make the decision to stay when you have every right to go. The best decision you'd ever make might be to stay when it would be far easier to go. And then finally, some of you right now, your story is just that you've been faithful for a long time. You're, you're faithful. You're in the same boring job, and you've been faithful. You're with the same boring spouse, and you've been faithful. You've been with the same boring kids, and you've been faithful. You'd never say that to their faces, but I can say it. Right? You're stuck, but you've been faithful. I don't think faithfulness gets exalted enough in the church. We always want it to be about the Disneyland blessings and rewards. But faithfulness is a big deal. And I want you to hear that sometimes the greatest act of your faith, the greatest splendor of your faith, will just be your faithfulness, your willingness to hang in there. Galatians 6, 9 says this. Have you ever read this crying? I've cried tears reading this verse again and again. Do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. If you what? Would you say it with me? If you do not give up. The decisions that we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. And sometimes the best decision you can make is to stay. It would be easier to go. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray this morning that you administer your presence to us. God, for those of us that are in the middle of a trial and the middle of a struggle or a decision, Lord, I pray, God, that you would direct them, direct them by your word and by your Holy Spirit, and that you'd give them the courage to do what is right over what is easy. And some of you, as we're praying, you know that you've got a decision to make. Do I stay the course or do I walk away? And some of you, you're not there at the point, you don't have that decision to make. And I just want to ask all of us to make a commitment this morning that when that time comes, that you will keep your eyes on Jesus. That you would let him be the author and the finisher of your faith. And if God shows you it's the right thing to stay, even if you don't want to, even if you don't see how, even if it doesn't feel worth it, that you would obey God and commit to stay when it's easier to go. If you're willing to make that promise this morning to obey God when he calls you to stay, would you just lift up your hand so I can agree with you? Yeah, amen. Yeah, yeah, amen. Absolutely. You can put your hands down. 
God, I just thank you for everyone here that just raised their hands. That we will face these decisions, but that you will empower us to do what is right. Glory to God. We are not abandoned. We are not left helpless. You will empower us by your spirit to do what is right. And I pray right now, God, for those that are in a job that they want to quit. For those in a relationship that they want to walk away from. For those that are in a spiritual trial, God, I just pray that you would just make it evident, very, very clear what is right. Even as Ruth knew what was right, when she knew what she needed to do, that God, you would truly, Lord, call us. If we're called to stay, then call us to stay. God, if we're called to stay, then give us the faith to stay. God, if we're called to stay, give us the courage to stay. And God, I pray that we would truly see your blessings as Ruth was blessed with Boaz, that you would bring us Boaz blessings as we do what is right. As we keep praying this morning, I, when I think about staying the course, I cannot think about Jesus. And as we pray, this is so important to hear this again. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what he was going to face on that cross. And in a very sincere moment before God, he basically said, God, remove this cup from me. He's talking about the suffering he'd endure. If there's any other way, God, let it be done that way. And then Jesus said great words. To stay the course. Nevertheless. Not my will. But your will be done. For every single one of you. As we continue to pray. Some of you. Maybe you're realizing you're doing this life without God. But I want you to know that Jesus. Has stayed the course for you. For every one of you that realizes that you've messed up. That you need forgiveness. That you need healing. You need a savior. I want you to know Jesus has stayed the course for you. For every one of you that realize that you need his presence, you need the peace of God. Jesus stayed the course for you. He became sin on that cross. He died and rose again so you could be forgiven, so you could be healed, and so you could experience the goodness and the love of God on this earth and heaven forever. As we pray, there are those of you who recognize this morning, this is what I need. I need his love. I need his grace. I'm doing life without an ongoing daily relationship with him, and I want him in my life, I need forgiveness, I need salvation, I need peace, I need His presence. Today I turn from my sins, I turn towards Him. He stayed the course for me, I give my life to Him. If that's your prayer this morning, if just as the Lord is speaking in the quiet, that you know you need His grace, you need His forgiveness, that you want to give your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand so I can see you and agree with you and Celebrate with you. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Would you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, make me new. I believe you died for me. And you rose again so I could live for you. Be the author and the finisher of my faith. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.